lift our hands to the Lord. Just let that note of victory rest upon you. Just let that liberty rest upon you, body, soul, and spirit tonight. We release the anointing of liberty from bondage. We release the captive-breaking anointing in the house today in the name of Jesus. Just let it flow. Let's just lift our spirits to the Lord right now. Let's reach out and touch like the woman with the issue of blood. You know, we can, not that you are, because you're already pressing in, but one can stay on the outsides of the crowd while Jesus is there to be touched. But the woman with the issue of blood, she pressed in. She pushed through the crowds. She was going to touch Jesus. If she hadn't pressed in, she wouldn't have got her touch, her healing. But she did. And all those people, not only did she press through the crowds and touch Jesus, she touched him with faith, desperation, and need. And Jesus said, who touched me? If Jesus were to say tonight, who touched me in Kensington Temple, would it be you? The disciples said, Lord, why do you say who touched me? There's hundreds of people around you trying to grasp you. There's hundreds of people here tonight worshipping the Lord. But how many of us touch him, not just with our words, but with the touch of faith? For Jesus said, I felt power going out of me. Hallelujah. How many of you want some Jesus power going out from him and through his spirit into your life? Receive in the name of Jesus the power of the master. In the name of Jesus, take authority over every bodily ailment, every sickness. In the name of Jesus, we touch you, Lord, for a healing power, miracle power, body, soul, mind. Release your glory in this place tonight, Lord. We're pressing in with faith. We believe in you, Lord. You're the same today as you were yesterday and forever. You're the Lord, the healer, the deliverer, the savior. And we proclaim you in this place today. Let your power come. Let the kingdom of heaven be amongst us right now. Let there be a release of glory from the realm of glory. Let it come to the realm of earth tonight. Let Jacob's ladder be in this place. Jacob's ladder giving us access to heavenly power and treasures. And angels ascending and descending. Ascending with our needs and descending with your power. Father, send your Holy Spirit amongst us. And do your work of revival in our lives. We turn to you. We yield to you. 
We spend time in your presence, soaking in your glory, basking in the living word. Oh, yes, Lord. You said you'd come like spring rain. We ask that the power of the latter rain come amongst us tonight. The wind of your spirit blow right now, Father, through this place. of your refreshing Let the blessing flow. Touch every life in this place, Father, with a supernatural anointing. Let your revelation come to your people. The bread of your revelation. Man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Let your word come, Lord. Let your revelation come, Lord. If you're in this place today and you suffer any difficulty in mobility, whether that be in your, in your walking or your hips or your, or your arms, I want you to come forward. If you're suffering any type of lack of mobility in your body, leave your seats, come forward to the front. If you're upstairs in the balcony, we'll wait for you. Come to the front mobility problems flexibility problems come to the front we're going to pray for you why don't why don't we bring them up on the platform Just set your sail and catch the wind of the Spirit right now. 
If you need healing in the congregation, or if you're watching on the internet, I want you to place your hand where you need healing. If it's not appropriate to place your hand there, just place it on your heart. We're going to release a healing flow in this place this evening. What's your situation? I've got cancer in my pelvis. How long have, how long have you been suffering from cancer in your pelvis? Um, almost a year now. And it affects your movement. But you said you can already feel a healing of the Lord? Heat. I feel some, I feel heat at, at the back of my leg. Well, what's your name? What's your name? It's Agnes. Agnes. Let's all agree together for Agnes. She's believing God for healing from cancer. We're believing God that he'll use the doctors and that he'll use the medicine. But we're also believing God for supernatural medicine, supernatural healing. God works in both. They complement one another. They don't oppose one another. She's already feeling a touch of the Lord on her body. And so we're just going to bless what the Father's already begun to do in Agnes's life. Right where you are, by faith, I want you to speak the blessing over Agnes's life. Right where you are, speak blessing. Call her name, bless her. Speak to her, use her name and bless her. We have the anointing to bless. We're not praying right now, we're blessing. I want you to bless her with healing. Use her name. Use her name. Her name is Agnes. Speak to her. As if you were right where I am on the platform, speak to her from the internet. And speak blessing and healing in the name of Jesus. Agnes, be healed in the name of Jesus. We quicken the medicine in your body that it would have an incredible effect. And we also speak the blessing of the Lord upon you. That a healing of God would restore you. That your restoration would come to you, body, soul and spirit. And that the Lord would raise you up from your sickness and use you in this house redeem you and use you like never before we speak a word of redemption over you in the name of Jesus a redemption of your body redemption of your soul redemption of your ministry in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth be healed What's your situation? Um, I've got severe back pain. Severe back pain. How long have you been suffering from that? I think it's about three weeks. Have you been to a doctor yet? No, I'm thinking. I'm thinking. Thinking of going to see one because it's not going. Mm. Should we believe God tonight? That's why you're on. Of course we could believe God. That's why you came forward. What's your first name? Jeanette. Jeanette. I just feel that the blessing of the Lord is in our mouths tonight, people. And so I'm going to ask you to do the same thing right where you are, standing or sitting. Her name is Jeanette. I want you to speak to her. I want you to bless her using her name. I want you to speak to Jeanette's back condition. I can feel the healing anointing coming from out of your mouths. 
Speak with faith. Don't just say the word, but mix words with faith. Believe God and speak the word of blessing over Jeanette's back. Hallelujah. Keep speaking. Mix it with faith and expectation. Yes, Lord. Jeanette, be healed in the name of Jesus from your back pain. Receive the blessing. Let healing flow right now from the top of your head to the soles of your feet. Let the healing blessing flow in Jesus' mighty name. Can you check it out, Jeanette? Can, can you check, move around, see, see if you can notice any difference? There is a difference. What's the difference? Um, I, you know, I, I, I don't feel the... When first, when I came here, there's a bit pain in here. But now, I believe that it was, it was healed. Is there still a little bit of pain there? Um, no. Is it all gone? It's all gone. Well, we seal that. Amen. We seal this, Jeanette. We seal this that this, this, this pain will not come back and you will not need to visit the doctor in the name of the Lord. Hallelujah. Just wait on the Lord. Just wait on the Lord and His presence. Yes, Lord. Turn this microphone up a bit so I don't need to keep it so close to my lips. Thanks. Thank you, Lord. Would you like to come forward? What's your, what's your name? Celia. Celia, what's your situation? Uh, I have arthritis on both legs, but it's going up onto my hip. Can you turn this microphone up, please? Just a, a bit, quite a bit more, thanks. Uh, I have arthritis of leg, and the pain is going up up to my hip and waist, so I can't walk properly. I have to take tablets all the time. Can you can you feel the pain tonight? Yeah, I'm, I'm in great pain. Yeah. Right now, you're in pain. Lord, we release healing power from heaven. Healing from heaven in the name of Jesus. Celia, right from the top of your head to the soles of your feet, receive the delivering power of God. The healing power of God in the name of Jesus. Be healed. Just let that power flow. Just let that flow more, Father. Increase your power. Deliver her from this arthritis. In the name of Jesus, we speak to this arthritis. We speak to this arthritic condition. Loose her. Loose her name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Let the anointing rest upon you of deliverance and healing power. Let every bit of pain go. Let the origin of this thing leave you. Let liberty come to your body. Proclaim freedom to the captivity that's in your body in the name of Jesus. Lease, freedom, liberty, and flexibility. In the name of the Lord, we release that power now. Like fresh oil. 
lubricating the joints. Hallelujah. More glory, Father, we pray that more glory, more glory. More glory, Lord, overwhelming glory into this body we release, the healing of Nazareth, Jesus of Nazareth. You're the same yesterday, today, and forever. Lord, let the glory flow. Release you from captivity. I release you. We release you in the name of Jesus. We agree together that this captivity be broken. Go for a little walk up to where Gabriel is there and, and back again. Do it in faith, believing that as you do it. That's right. Be bold, be strong, sister, for the Lord your God is with you. Turn around, come back to me a bit stronger. Walk into your healing. Oh my God. <laughs> One more time back to Gabriel. Walk into your healing. Now, one more time back to me. In the name of Jesus. Thank you, Father. What's happening? It's gone. It's gone. Yeah. The pain's gone. The pain is gone. When, when, <clears throat> when was the last time you could walk with freedom like that? Uh, it's a long time, you know, because I have to take tablets. Even though if I take tablets, you know, it doesn't do anything. It's only walk for a few minutes and come back. We seal what you've experienced on this platform. We now seal in your body. We put a wall of fire around you and we say, Arthritis, you shall not come back. This body's been redeemed of the Lord and the mark of the Savior is upon it liberty and freedom go your way healed in the name of jesus god bless you Hallelujah. everybody else on this platform just come a bit closer just come a bit closer everybody else that needs a healing touch just lift your hands to the lord we're just going to pray as a congregation over you right now and ask that God's glory will fall on you and bless you and bring healing. And, and those people I prayed for right now, it's just a sample of what God's doing. Father, we pray together as a congregation that your healing come upon every life on this platform, your delivering power, your healing power, your blessing, Father. On every life we pray. Bring deliverance and mobility and strength to every aspect, Father, of who these people are. Lord, let your healing flow now in the name of Jesus. We declare this platform a sickness-free platform. We declare this platform a place of God's healing glory. We speak over each one of your lives the blessing of God and the healing of God and the strength of God and the anointing of God that breaks the yoke and we come against every work of Satan, every demonic work that would seek to work in your bodies, we banish it in the name of Jesus 
And every healing work of the Lord we release. Gifts of healings and miracles come upon you, my brothers and sisters. And be healed in the name of Jesus. And let the glory of God come upon you and touch your bodies and strengthen your souls and fill you with glory. And we plead before the throne of God boldly for your healing tonight. Father, hear the prayer of the saints in Kensington Temple tonight. And let your glory bring healing deliverance in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Be healed. Be healed, be healed, be healed, be healed, be healed in the name of Jesus Christ, in Jesus' mighty name, amen, amen, God bless you. Amen, please take your seats. As, as, as uh, those of you that were here last week and the week before, if you were here last week or the week before, you know that I'm just speaking on Ezra, the book of Ezra, and um, it was Friday night of our conference, and we'd just come back from the Friday evening a couple of weeks ago, and... Um, I went to bed and the Lord said, read Ezra. And I thought, why, why did you wait till I went to bed to say that? I've left my glasses downstairs, my Bible downstairs, and just heads just hit the pillow. And the Lord says, read Ezra. He could have done it like earlier. And the Lord said, oh, you've got an iPhone next to you. Listen to Ezra then. So I put my iPhone Bible app on and I began to listen to Ezra. Now, I've studied Ezra since the age of 17, I was studying Ezra when I wasn't even saved, when I was doing A-level religious education, which was focused on biblical studies. I was studying the Restoration and Ezra, and then at university and onwards. So I thought I had a pretty good understanding of Ezra. But when I listened to the book of Ezra, on the whole note of the restoration of the people of God, 70 years they'd been in Babylon, and now God was calling a remnant back to build himself a temple in their homeland. And as I listened to chapter to chap, chapter by chapter, it really felt like I'd never even heard of this book, Ezra. I was hearing familiar words, but with revelation. It was like God was opening my, the eyes of my heart to things all those years since the age of 17 I'd never seen before, I'd never heard before. God began to speak about the restoration that he's seeking to do in our personal lives and in our church lives. That he's seeking a remnant, a people that will come out of spiritual Babylon and begin to restore the altar of the Lord in their lives and in the nation and in Europe and to dig and build a foundation that will hold the house of glory that it's God's intention to bring again into this nation. And I spoke about that last, the week before last and, and last week. And as I was doing that, Jonathan is here today. God began to move on him. And he begins to get a song that flows with the word of restoration from Ezra. Now, it's not in its fully finished form. 
but sometimes it's good when you get something prophetic to release it in a more raw form. So he's just gonna, going to prophetically sing the words that God has given him out of this move of Ezra restoration. Your life and make me whole. 
take control. Send the river of your spirit, let the river overflow. Lord, take us deeper than we've ever been before. Send the wind of your spirit, breathe on us once again. Lord, take us higher, up above our eagle soar. Send the river of your spirit. Let the river overflow. Oh God, let us go deeper than ever before. Lord, send the wind of your spirit. Breathe on us once again. Lord, take us higher up above where we so. says the Lord build me a temple in the land for the walls are broken down and the altar is in disrepair build me a temple says the Lord that I might fill it with my glory my salvation in this land. You are my temple. You are my people. But your altars are in disrepair. Come to me and I shall heal you. Call on me and I shall restore you. The altars of your heart shall be healed. And I shall pour out my fire on the altars of your heart. And I shall dwell in my temples again. 
and I shall fill my church where the altars are repaired and the temples are rebuilt. For the days are dark and dangerous. But my grace is strong and adventurous. So walk the new paths that are the old paths. Step out in faith. For though the way I've called you to walk is new to you and fresh to you and strange to you, these paths have been trod before by your fathers and their fathers. For the old paths are the forgotten paths in my church today. For there are those that say, look, the new way, the new way that the Lord has made, the new way, the new path that the Lord has made into this generation. Yeah, that's not my path, says the Lord. And their new way is not my way. For my paths, they are there in the Word. They are there in your heritage and your history. The old paths that have been forgotten. The old paths of prayer and sacrifice. The old paths of truth. The old paths of faith. Overgrown. Seemingly hidden. For so few have trod them in this generation and the generation before. So few have trodden the old paths that they have become overgrown, seemingly not there, forgotten. Yet these paths have always been before you. And in your heart, you've always, always known that it's the old paths, the old trodden paths of simplicity of heart, childlike devotion, love, service, sacrifice, unity, submission. I'm calling you to the old paths away from the glamorous highways and glamorous byways of popular thought. Come away from those roads for they are wide and they lead to destruction. Come with me, says the Lord, and I will take you on a journey of restoration. I will once again build in my land a temple, and the glory of the Lord shall visit 
and there shall be opposition to you. There shall be those that oppose the building of the house of the Lord in these days, those that oppose the ways of the old paths, but neither fear them nor be intimidated them, says the Lord. For though they resist you, they will not stop you. And though they oppose you, I shall bring them low. I get such a sense of the holiness of God. And I see prophetically. I don't see it with my mind's eye, but I see it prophetically. It's a sight I've not actually had before. I don't see a picture, but I see it anyway. I see it without seeing it. And what I see without seeing is the saints of the past. I see the saints of the past from century to century in unbroken apostolic succession. And this apostolic succession does not travel through denominations. It travels through hearts on fire for the old ways. Thank you, David. Probably bring you back to sing that over the people. You know, we've been looking at Ezra. <clears throat> because all truth is parallel. And the book of Ezra is a book of restoration from captivity. Seventy years God's people had been in Babylonian captivity. And many of them were very happy there. You know, the majority of those that were taken into Babylonian captivity stayed there. And right up until Islamic times, when the Jews were persecuted horrendously and driven out, and many killed. But right up to those times, from the time of the 70 years of Babylon, there was a huge number of Jewish people that lived in Babylon. Generation after generation after generation after generation of Jewish people in Babylon area. Huge number. And they multiplied in Babylon. But when God called, after 70 years, his people back to him to build him a temple, very few returned. Around 40,000 or so. Very, very few returned, because most of them liked Babylon too much. They'd got comfortable with Babylon. They'd made, uh, made a pact with Babylon. They were still Jewish. They still kept remnants of their heritage, but basically they were Babylonians. There was only a few that were prepared to pay the price to come back to a broken-down city, a broken-down temple, 
and a broken down altar. It would have been the easiest thing in the world for them to remain where they were in Babylonian comfort, still calling themselves Jews, still having the benefit of their culture. But it says in chapter 1, and I'm just going over some ground here tonight. You can always catch up on the internet with, if you're interested in anything I'm about to say, but I'm not going to go chapter and verse yet. It says, the Spirit of the Lord stirred up certain individuals, the leaders, to go back to Israel. And God stirred up certain individuals because if he hadn't stirred them up, they'd have stayed there too. God is stirring your heart in these days for something more than you're experiencing. Do you, ever, do, you ever, do you ever get pangs in your con consciousness of, this isn't enough? Do you ever feel a sense, might not come all the time, of emptiness and dissatisfaction? That something's not right, something's not wrong, that surely there's more than this, that this ain't right. Thank God for the good things that we've experienced. But is there something inside you that says, there must be more. I was made and destined for more than I've experienced. Is this it? Is this our destiny? Is this as far as we will go? Have the limits been put on our lives together as individuals? Well, not together, but as individuals, but also together as a body. Is this it? Have we reached the limits of our experience and the limits of how God wants to use us? God is stirring you. He's stirring you as a remnant. He's calling you back to the old paths of the blood religion. And I said that these people made a decision that they weren't going to stay in Babylon with a Babylon mentality and a Babylon comfort, Jews in Babylon. But they were going to go back to the land of God, back to the place of God, and they were going to rebuild him a temple. And on the, as they left, the king, whose spirit had also been stirred, God is at work in his church. But how many of you know, he's out there at work in the Cyruses, the Nebuchadnezzars, and the Dariuses of the world. What I'm talking about is this. God is as active outside the church as he is in the church. And he can cause anybody, whether they're Christian or not, to do his bidding, even if they don't know that they're doing it. He can do whatever he wants. And no man can resist God. One of the heresies of the church of the West today is the heresy of free will. That man can do whatever he wants and God can't stop him. Or that man can resist God. Let me tell you something. When God fixes to do something, he can do whatever he wants, using whoever he wants, whether they like it or not. He is the Lord. And he does whatever he pleases. With whomever he pleases, to whom however he pleases, however he pleases. He can take the King Cyrus of the, of the greatest empire in the world... And he can use him to do his bidding, and he may not have been, been aware, 
You could debate. He may not have been aware that God was using him. Praise the Lord. He can do whatever he wants. I say that to encourage you that God is at work in his church to prepare, but he's also working in society. The devil does not have rights over Europe. Might look like he does, but God owns the earth and all that's within it. Hallelujah. So God is working in his church, but he's also, if the church rises up, he's also working in the world to prepare. And so as they came out of Babylon, they didn't come out empty-handed. If you read the first chapter of Ezra, they came out with wealth. One of the greatest miracles attested to in the Old Testament was how the children of Israel came out of Egypt. But not just how they came out of Egypt, the fact that they plundered the land of Egypt without warfare. Again and again it's referred to. In the Psalms it's referred to. That the children of Israel came out of Egypt and they were giving and and giving the wealth to them. Well, when they came out of Babylon, they opened up the vaults of Babylon and they brought out the old utensils of the temple. My God. Some of them were old enough to remember when those utensils were taken out of the temple during the exile. And it looked like they'd never see those things that were there for the ministrations of the house of the Lord again. They'd been taken away. But now the time came that God had handed them back. Because not only did he want them to build a temple, he wanted them to minister in the temple as well. There was a restoration of the gifts taken from the temple. And God, in these days, is restoring ancient gifts. He's bringing out of the storehouse and the storeroom the gifts of former revivals, the abilities and blessings and treasures of heaven that were used by former generations in revivals. And he's handing them to his church saying, as you go back to journey to the altar and the foundation and the temple, I am giving you the ability and the anointings to do what I've called you to do. How many of you know God never uses anybody unless he first gives them an anointing? You can't do anything by yourself. It has to be not by might, not by power, but by his spirit. And last week I spent a little bit of time talking to you about the leaders of the restoration of Ezra. Before Ezra came back, and we've got a bit of work to do before Ezra turns up on the scene. We've got an altar to build. We've got a foundation to lay. We've got a temple to start building. We've got opposers of the gospel to deal with before Ezra turns up, my God. Because when he turns up, revival takes place. We've got some time before that, before that moment. And I mentioned... Here in Ezra, that the names of the leaders, and there were two leaders. There was the priestly leader and the kingly leader. And the, uh, the priestly lead, leader, his name was Joshua, or Yeshua. It's the same word. It can, Joshua means Jesus. Jesus means Joshua. It's the same word. And he was journeying back. But then we looked at Joshua And Zerubbabel, did I say Zerubbabel? Joshua and Zerubbabel. And then we went to the prophet Zechariah. 
And Zechariah, along with Haggai, he was, he was some of the prophets that were prophesying the people through this period. How many of you know, you can't go through what God wants you to go through as a church without prophetic encouragement. The prophets aren't here to tell us off. The prophets are here to get us through. Hallelujah. We've got a prophet coming next Sunday uh, who's been a mighty prophet to this house and in this house, Robert Sled. And, and may God give him utterance as he pleases next Sunday when he comes. And I'll tell you something, the five o'clock service, he's going to be speaking on his experience next week, his actual experience as an eight-year-old boy when God took him up to heaven and showed him the realities of heaven. He's going to tell us the testimony at five and then at the seven o'clock service and believe in God for a great revelation and prophecy from Roberts. But Jeshua and Zechariah. And Jeshua, he was a mess. He had a dirty robe. And if you look in Zechariah, you have Satan accusing him. Accusing him of idolatry. Accusing him of, of giving up to the Babylonian religion. And he'd done all those things. Do you know that? The high priest of restoration had given himself over to Babylonian idolatry. And Satan was saying, there's no way you can use him, God. He's as Babylonian as the rest of them. And what did God say? Through his angel, he said, rebuke you, Satan. Is this not a brand plucked from the fire? How many brands have we got here tonight plucked from the fire? I know I'm one. Of ourselves, we are nothing and nobody. And worthy of judgment. We don't need the devil to tell us. What we're worthy of, we're well aware of it ourselves. But thank God, his word over us is no condemnation. I rebuke you, Satan. Kensington Temple is a brand plucked from the fire. Because we're an odd bunch, aren't we? Look around. What an odd bunch. Seems like God's taken every oddball, weirdo, strange person from all the way around the world and brought them to Kensington Temple. No wonder other churches can't work us out, can't figure us out, don't know what, you know. No wonder, no wonder that we're, we're odd. God has brought us here for a purpose. He's drawn us and our families from all the way around the world to this temple, Kensington Temple. And some of you were born in London, and some of you came from the far reaches of the earth, or your parents brought you. God was calling you to this place to do a work for him. I had no idea as a young boy in Yorkshire I'd ever come down south to London. If you'd have told me at 18 years of age that I'd be end up down in London for 20 years, I'd have slapped you silly. <laughs> I was as Yorkshire as they came. I'm even losing my accent. And what about where you came from? God's got a purpose. We're not just here to have church. We're here to build a temple. And, uh, and so we had, we had the high priest began the journey back, knowing that there was no condemnation. And then we had, Zechari uh, we had Zerubbabel as well. And the picture in Zechariah is that these two, or anointed with oil. It's to Zechariah, sorry, it's to Zerubbabel that Zechariah says, not by might 
not by power, but by my spirit. What was he talking about? We use that phrase all the time, don't we? And so we should. But in context, it's talking about the restoration. That Zerubbabel, not by might, not by power, but by the spirit, would build a temple. These are the two olive trees that bring forth the anointing, the kingly anointing, and the priestly anointing in order to bring the restoration. And they, they returned. We looked at chapter 2, and I told you that in times former, I never liked reading genealogies in the Bible. Uh, except for when I was doing my Bible, daily Bible reading, if ever I came to genealogy, I'd laugh because I knew it would cut my Bible reading down. I'd just skip it. I don't need to read a, a bunch of old names. Why am I going to... Ezra chapter 2, why am I going to read a bunch of old names? Don't need to read. Might as well go and get the telephone directory, read that. Well, that's the way I thought. That's the way I thought. Until when I was listening to this on my iPhone app that night, that Friday night. We come to chapter 2, and it begins, oh, here we go. This is what I thought we might, here we go, genealogy. There's no fast forward on the thing. That's what I'm thinking, genealogy. But then I just sit, and I'm just, well, I've told to listen to it. And name after name after name. It's there in chapter 2. You have a look. Name after 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 name. And I'm sitting there and it begins, it begins not to be a list. It begins to be a flow over me. It be, the names begin to flow over me. Prophetically, now this is not just a list of names. To cut short my Bible reading time, all of a sudden I get a revelation. It's the role of honor. It's the role of honor. It's the role of reward. When these few were returning, they didn't know that God was looking at them saying, I know your name. No condemnation. Brands plucked from the fire. I know your name. And he'd watching them, these few returning from Babylon while the major stayed there. And God's saying, they had no idea when they were walking. They thought, who are we? They were going to have to deal with all the opposition saying, you're nobody. But God was saying, I'm going to put you in my Bible. You and your children. This is the reward. And you know, God has a role of honor in heaven too. And God is looking at us and we're thinking, is what we, is, God, can we do anything of any real value? And God's saying, if you walk the old paths and bring restoration into your life and join with the restoration move of this church, then your names will be written in my book and they'll never be taken out. I'm not talking about a book of salvation. I'm talking about the book of life, which in Greek cities, the book of life was the place where those that had achieved great things in sports, Athlete, athletics, philosophy, politics, civil ministry, and war, their names were put in the role of honor so that future generations, like when I was reading Ezra, I thought that who'd have thought they'd have no idea that someone in 2012 would be listening on his iPhone and their names were going to be read out again. That really blessed me that. That's what I'm talking about, revelation, because I just, even now, I could just stay there thinking about the rewards for those that are faithful to him. And all those, how many know any Jews that live in Babylon? Not me. 
I have never heard, I don't know any Jews that may live in modern day Iraq or Iran, but I don't know any of those Jews. All the ones that stayed there in their comfort zone, all the ones that stayed there and made, made their home in Babylon, we don't know their names. And although they multiplied, the generation came when the wicked one came and wiped them out and drove them out. So although for centuries the Jews in Babylon looked like they were having a pretty good deal, the writing was always on the wall. But these names remained. But we saw also in verse 62 that there were some people that came back. And they were like, what are you doing? Well, we're coming back with you. We're priests too. In Ezra 2, the end of Ezra 2. And they said, well, show us your history. Show us where you come from. And they couldn't. They'd lost their records, their family records. They hadn't thought enough of the past to record it, to learn from it. Others treasured their family records. They could trace themselves, the priests, right back to Levi. They could, they could, they could trace themselves back. They treasured the goodness of the past so that it was time to enter in the presence. They took the best of the past with them. But these, they'd lost their family records. They, they'd thrown them out. They thought, what use is this? They failed to honor the past they failed to honor and understand where they'd come from. And I was applying that prophetically last week to this house, saying that we have a past, not just a historical past, but we have a past history that, will, that determines our present and determines our future plans. I spoke about people that over the years, we've seen them come and join us in Kensington Temple at every level of leadership. And they come in, and they don't want to go in the flow of where we've been. I'm not just talking about where we've been with Colin or Wynne. Or going, I'm talking about the flow from the first stone was laid of Holbury Chapel back in the 1860s. It's out there right now. You can visit it on your way out. Right out there. The foundation stone. From that foundation stone and before that foundation stone, there was a Presbyterian church in Kensington that saw the new houses going up near the pig farm in Notting Hill Gate where there were no houses. And they called together a prayer meeting and began to seek the Lord for the people of Notting Hill Gate that were going to come and live there. And they realized there was no church. And so the fire fell and they began to weep. This is in the archives. They began to weep and pray. And they raised, according to, they raised in one night millions of pounds it would be today to build this church. And they sacrificed and they left their comfort zone of Kensington. It's very nice down in Kensington. And they left their comfort zone in Kensington to come down to Notting Hill Gate and build God a temple called Horbury Chapel. And I'm not going to go into that, but there's all history. And people have come here and they decided they're going to bring what they like from their favorite church or their experience. And they come in and tell us how to do things. And they come in and expect us to change and to fit in with their values and their understanding of things. Well, they haven't lasted long. It'd be a cold day in hell when someone comes and brings a foreign vision into this house. Too many people have sacrificed on the altar of this house for us to turn away from the destiny and the prophecy which is the glory of this latter house shall be greater than the former. Amen. 
And that was the prophecy that was going to be over this temple. Even though it was going to be in, in a small way compared to the others, the glory was going to be greater. And we come to this passage in chapter 3 where they built the altar. I said the first thing they did was go to the blood. I don't mind recapping on these things because there's such a prophetic flow on these things. But yet, yet relatively speaking, so few people are hearing this prophecy. So I don't mind recapping. And even if I'm the only person that hears it, I'm going to live by it. But you're here as well, so that helps. I wouldn't need a microphone otherwise. And they went straight to the altar, repaired it, and the blood began flowing. I said, Christianity is a blood religion. It's a blood religion. Other religions are blood religion. They go around taking the blood of others that don't believe in their religion. But Christianity too is a blood religion, only it's his founder that died. It's the founder that shed the sacrifice, the blood, once and for all, for the sins and healing. And everything that we need, everything that the world needs, is found at Calvary. The blood of the covenant supplies everything that we ever need. It's the blood of Jesus. And they understood for 70 years they'd had sacrifice-free religion. A lot of modern-day Christianity is sacrifice-free. A lot of preaching today is sacrifice-free. They talk about this. I heard one preacher say, Oh, the modern-day people don't want to hear about blood and sacrifice and expiation and appeasement. They don't even understand those things. No, they don't understand those things because you're not preaching them. You can preach the blood and explain it to people. Modern day Christianity, sometimes it's like a bloodless religion. Even when they preach the cross, there's very little blood and sacrifice in it. But these boys, they went straight to the altar. First thing they did when they got back, get the altar repaired, repaired and start sacrificing, offering, get the blood flowing again. Because they knew 70 years, God was gracious, God was with them. But when it came down to it, 70 years without blood sacrifice, 70 years without blood atonement, 70 years without blood Passover, 70 years without blood. And they knew we've got to get the blood again, we've got to get the forgiveness flowing, we've got to get there a flow. There needs to be a flow of forgiveness, a flow of provision, a flow of appeasement, a flow of expiation. We've got to get the blood flowing again. Well... We don't need to sacrifice anymore for the blood, but I tell you what we do, we need to go back and faith, faith in the blood. Start believing in Christ's atonement and the power of his blood for today. It's once shed. The blood of Jesus is as powerful today as it was on the day that it was shed. It's just asking for someone to believe in it and apply the blood. But now where we're coming, I'm coming to a finish now, is in verse 8 onwards of chapter 3. They've, they've got the blood flowing. Now it's time to lay the foundation upon which they're going to build. Chapter 10, sorry, chapter 3, verse 10. And when the builders laid the foundation of the temple of the Lord, the priests in their vestments came forward and trumpets and the Levites and sons of Asaph with cymbals to praise the Lord according to the directions of David, king of Israel. And they sang responsively, praising and giving thanks to the Lord. For he is good, and his steadfast love endures forever towards Israel. There's a verse for politics today. And all the people shouted with a great shout, 
when they praised the Lord because the foundation of the house of the Lord was laid. But many of the priests and Levites and the heads of the fathers' houses, old men who'd seen the first house, wept with a loud voice when they saw the foundations of this house being laid, though many shouted aloud for joy. Now listen to this. So that the people could not distinguish the sound of the joyful shout from the sound of the people's weeping. We've got the altars of our heart, and God in this new move of his spirit is working on the altars of our heart. How many of you know that? God is working on the altars of your heart. But he's also wanting us to make sure that we're standing on a firm foundation. And I'm not talking about the foundation of faith, which is Christ Jesus. I'm talking about the foundation of vision, the apostolic foundation upon which we're to build. Because if you just go and build anything anywhere, you're, 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 you're hidden for a disaster. You just say, oh, that's a nice piece of sand. I'm going to build there. You've got to know what ground you're building on, that it's the right place. And you've got to make sure that foundation is good because, because you can only build as good as your foundation is. I remember Paul or David Youngy Cho talking about the fact that one day he was walking down the street in Seoul and as he came to this building site he looked and he saw this huge massive big deep hole that they were digging and so he said to one of the workmen that was sort of just on a break he said why are you digging such a huge deep hole and the man turned around and said because we're going to build such a huge big building. If you don't have the right found, if you have, if you have a weak foundation, you'll have a weak superstructure. You need a deep, solid foundation to build on. And so they spent time getting the foundation right. They weren't one of these fly-by-night ministries that, that springs up one night under the anointing, springs up, and then five or six years later, you wonder what it's actually achieved. They got the foundations right. What is this speaking to us today? It's speaking to us not only let's get our altar flowing with the grace that comes from the blood of Jesus. Let's repair the altars of our heart, yes. But let's also make sure we're building on the apostolic foundation of this house. That the apostolic foundation is in your heart and also in your vision. You see, there is teaching in Kensington Temple that is apostolic teaching, teaching for your souls. We don't just bring sermons to pastor you. The words that come from this pulpit are apostolic words to put foundations in your, in your heart and spirit of the truth and the word of God. That's what we're doing. So we have apostolic doctrine for our lives, but we also have an apostolic foundation that we're to build on. And I just want to encourage you, because I can't think of a better way of doing it than showing you two books. And the first one, I would say, is a wonderful book to look at the foundations that you're building on in your heart. All right? The foundations. And it's Colin's book called Hearts on Fire. In fact, there's a whole uh, sermon on rebuilding the altar of the Lord. This book is only three pounds. But it will do a great work of apostolic foundation in your life. These are revival sermons that came out of a powerful move of God that was going around the world that we also were able 
to, to, to be part of the blessing. So I encourage you to think about getting hold of this book. It's only three pounds. And to take it and say, God, help me apply this so I can get the foundations right in my life. Because if your foundations aren't right in your life, how are you going to grow? You know, when something's going wrong in your life or you don't feel that you're growing or being what you know the Lord wants you to be, normally you need to go and look at the foundations. Isn't that right? Normally you need to go back, I've found, to the ABCs. That's what I was prophesying about, the old paths, returning to the old paths. So when things aren't working, when you're not getting your breakthrough, when things aren't happening, usually there needs to be an examination of the foundations up upon which you are basing your life. Yes? So that's Hearts on Fire. The second book is the apostolic foundation in book form for who we are, are as Kensington Temple. It's, it's sort of like, I, I, I've read this book, and when I read it, I thought, it's like Colin Dye in book form. It's like he's turned into a book. People of Passion. Building Church Today. And the first half of this book has got nothing to do with how to run a cell and all. It's, it's got to do with the foundation in our lives as a, as a group of people that will cause us to bring restoration. The first half is just restoration talk. It's talking about spirituality. It's talking about priorities. I mean, if we applied the first half of this book to our lives... We're almost there. And of course, the most important thing is not the strategy that God gives, but the heart, isn't it? Then the second half, as you cell leaders well know, is the apostolic blueprint for us to build the house of the Lord as the Lord has spoken to us. Now, what we're going to do now is we're just going to wait. just want you to wait on the Lord. I want to hear that song on restoration again. We're going to stand in a few moments. And we're just going to receive this song again. We heard it for the first time. We're going to receive it as a prophecy over our lives. That's what we're going to do tonight. And after that, Gabriel's going to come. We're going to give you an opportunity. We'll, we'll come out of the prophecy into the next song where we'll give you opportunity to give your thanks offering. And then once you've given your thanks offering... We will have people at the front to pray for you for anything you need prayer. But let's stand right now. So what we're going to do is standing together. We're going to receive the prophetic anointing of restoration through this song. Out of that, Gabriel will come and lead us into the next song where not only we'll continue to worship, but if you want to give your special offering, you can. And during that period, we'll also have the ministry team. If there's anything you need prayer for, don't go until you've had it. But right now, we've been speaking about restoration been speaking about the altar we've been speaking about the foundation we've been speaking about God's call on our lives as individuals and together and right now receive the prophetic song of God over your lives it's prophecy for you